0: Mistress Merciless of Christmas Tales and Christmas Verse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne. Christmas Tales and Christmas Verse by Eugene Field. Mistress Merciless. This is to tell of our little mistress Merciless, who for a season abided with us, but is now and for ever gone from us unto the far-off land of ever-placence. The tale is soon told, for it were not seemly to speak all the things that are in one's heart, when one hath to say of a much-beloved child, whose life here hath been shortened so that, in God's wisdom and kindness, her life shall be longer in that garden that bloometh far away you shall know that all did call her mistress merciless. But her mercilessness was of a sweet, persuasive kind, for with the beauty of her face and the music of her voice and the exceeding sweetness of her virtues was she wont to slay all hearts. And this she did unwittingly, for she was a little child. And so it was in love that we did call her mistress merciless, just as it was in love that she did lord it over all our hearts. Once upon a time walked she in a full fair garden, and there went with her a handmaiden that we did call in merry-wise the Queen of Sheba. For this handmaiden was in sooth no queen at all, but a sorry and ill-favoured wench. But she was assorted upon our little mistress Merciless, and served her diligently, and for that good reason was vastly beholden of us all. Yet, in a jest, we called her the Queen of Sheba, and I make a venture that she looked exceedingly fair in the eyes of our little mistress Merciless, for the eyes of children look not upon the faces but into the hearts and souls of others. Whilst these two walked in the full fair garden, at that time they came presently upon an arbor, wherein there was a rustic seat, which was called the Siege of Restfulness. And hereupon sate a little sick boy that, from his birth, had been lame, so that he could not play and make merry with other children, but was wont to come every day into this full fair garden and content himself with the companionship of the flowers. And, though he was a little lame boy, he never trod upon those flowers, and even had he done so, methinks the pressure of those crippled feet had been a caress, for the little lame boy was filled with the spirit of love and tenderness. As the tiniest, whitest, shrinking flower exhaleth the most precious perfume, so in and from this little lame boy's life there came a grace that was hallowing in its beauty. Since they never before had seen him, they asked him his name, and he answered them that, of those at home, he was called Master Sweetheart, a name he could not understand, for surely, being a cripple, he must be a very sorry sweetheart. Yet, that he was a sweetheart unto his mother at least, he had no doubt, for she did love to hold him in her lap, and call him by that name, and many times when she did so, he saw that tears were in her eyes. A proof, she told him when he asked, that Master Sweetheart was her sweetheart before all others upon earth. It befell that our little Mistress Merciless and Master Sweetheart became fast friends, and the Queen of Sheba was handmaiden to them both, for the simple, loyal creature had not a mind above the artless prattle of childhood, and the strange allegory of the lame boy's speech filled her with awe, even as the innocent lisping of our little Mistress Merciless delighted her heart, and came within the comprehension of her limited understanding. So each day, when it was fair, these three came into the full fair garden, and rambled there together, and when they were weary they entered into the arbour, and sate together upon the siege of restfulness. Wit ye well there was not a flower, or a tree, or a shrub, or a bird, in all that full fair garden which they did not know and love and in very sooth every flower and tree and shrub and bird therein did know and love them. When they entered into the arbour, and sate together upon the siege of restfulness, it was Master Sweetheart's wont to tell them of the land of ever placence, for it was a conceit of his that he journeyed each day nearer and nearer to that land, and that his journey thitherward was nearly done. How came he to know of that land I cannot say, for I do not know, but I am fain to believe that, as he said, the exceeding fair angels told him thereof when by night, as he lay sleeping, they came singing and with caresses to his bedside. I speak now of a holy thing, therefore I speak truth, when I say that while little children lie sleeping in their beds at night, it pleaseth God to send his exceeding fair angels with singing and caresses, to bear messages of his love unto those little sleeping children. And I have seen those exceeding fair angels bend with folded wings over the little cradles and the little beds, and kiss those little sleeping children, and whisper God's message of love to them. And I knew that those messages were full of sweet tidings, for, even though they slept, the little children smiled. This have I seen, and there is none who loveth little children that will deny the truth of this thing which I have now solemnly declared. Of that land of ever placence was our little mistress merciless ever fain to hear tell. But when she beset the rest of us to speak thereof, we knew not what to say, other than to confirm such reports as master sweetheart had already made. For when it cometh to knowing of that far-off land, ah, me, who knoweth more than the various little child. And oftentimes within the bosom of a little, helpless, fading one, there bloometh a wisdom which sages cannot comprehend. So when she asked us, we were wont to bid her go to Master Sweetheart, for he knew the truth and spake it. It is now to tell of an adventure which on a time befell in that full fair garden of which you have heard me speak. In this garden lived many birds of surpassing beauty, and most rapturous song, and among them was one that they called Joyous, for that he did ever carol forth so joyously, it mattered not what the day soever might be. This bird Joyous had his home in the top of an exceeding high tree, hard by the pleasant arbour, and here did he use to sit at such times as the little people came into that arbour. AND THEN WOULD HE SING TO THEM SUCH SONGS AS BEFITTED THAT QUIET SPOT, AND THEM THAT CAME THERE BUT THERE WAS A FULL EVIL CAT THAT DWELT NEARBY, AND THIS CRUEL BEAST FOUND NO PLEASURE IN THE MUSIC THAT JOYUS DID MAKE CONTINUALLY. NAY, THAT MUSIC FILLED THIS FULL EVIL CAT WITH A WICKED THIRST FOR THE BLOOD OF THAT SINGING INNOCENT, AND SHE HAD NO PEACE FOR THE MALICE THAT WAS WITHIN HER, seeking to devise a means whereby she might comprehend the bird joyous to her murderous intent. Now you must know that it was the want of our little mistress Merciless, and of Master Sweetheart, to feed the birds in that fair garden with such crumbs as they were suffered to bring with them into the arbour, and at such times would those birds fly down with grateful twitterings, and eat of those crumbs upon the greensward round about the arbour. Wit ye well! It was a merry sight to see those twittering birds making feast upon the good things which those children brought, and our little mistress merciless and little master sweetheart had sweet satisfaction therein. But on a day, whilst thus those twittering birds make great feasting, lo, on a sudden did that full evil cat whereof I have spoken steal softly from a thicket and with one hideous bound make her way into the very midst of those birds and seize upon that bird joyous, that was wont to sing so merrily from the tree hard by the arbor. Oh, there was a mighty din and a fearful fluttering, and the rest flew swiftly away, but Joyus could not do so, because the full evil cat held him in her cruel fangs and claws. And I make no doubt that joyous would speedily have met his death, but that, with a wrathful cry, did our little mistress Merciless hasten to his rescue, and our little mistress belaboured that full evil cat with Master Sweetheart's crutch, until that cruel beast let loose her hold upon the fluttering bird, and was full glad to escape with her aching bones into the thicket again. So it was that Joyous was recovered from death, but even then might it have fared ill with him, had they not taken him up and dressed his wounds and cared for him until duly he was well again. And then they released him to do his plaisance, and he returned to his home in the tree hard by the arbour, and there he sung unto those children more sweetly than ever before. For his heart was full of gratitude to our little Mistress Merciless and Master Sweetheart. Now, of the dolls that she had in goodly number, that one which was named Beautiful, did our little mistress merciless love best. Know well that the doll beautiful had come not from overseas, and was neither of wax nor of china. But she was right ingeniously constructed of a bed-key that was made of wood, and unto the top of this bed-key had the queen of Sheba superadded a head with a fair face, and upon the body and the arms of the key had she hung passing noble raiment. Unto this doll-beautiful was our little mistress-merciless vastly beholden, and she did use to have the doll-beautiful lie by her side at night whilst she slept, and whithersoever during the day she went, there also would she take the doll-beautiful too. Much sorrow and lamentation, therefore, made our little mistress-merciless, when on an evil day the doll-beautiful by chance fell into the fish-pond, and was not rescued therefrom until one of her beauteous eyes had been devoured of the envious water, so that ever thereafter the doll-beautiful had but one eye, and that, forsooth, was grievously faded. And on another evil day came a monster rival dog-pup, and seized upon the doll-beautiful whilst she reposed in the arbour, and bore her away, and romped boisterously with her upon the sward and tore off her black thread hair and sought to destroy her wholly which surely he would have done but for the queen of sheba who made haste to rescue the doll beautiful and chastise that monster ribald dog-pup therefore as you can understand the time was right busily spent the full fair garden with its flowers and the singing birds and the gracious arbour in the siege of restfulness found favour with those children and amid these joyous scenes did Master Sweetheart have to tell each day of that far-off land of ever plaisance, whither he said he was going. And one day, when the sun shone very bright, and the full fair garden joyed in the music of those birds, Master Sweetheart did not come, and they missed the little lame boy and wondered where he was. AND AS HE NEVER CAME AGAIN, THEY THOUGHT AT LAST THAT OF A SURETY HE HAD DEPARTED INTO THAT COUNTRY WHEREOF HE LOVED TO TELL. WHICH THING FILLED OUR LITTLE MISTRESS MERCILESS WITH WONDER AND INQUIRY, AND I THINK SHE WAS LONELY EVER AFTER THAT, LONELY FOR MASTER SWEETHEART. I AM THINKING NOW OF HER AND OF HIM, FOR THIS IS THE CHRISTMAS SEASON, THE TIME WHEN IT IS MOST MEET TO THINK OF THE CHILDREN AND OTHER SWEET AND HOLY THINGS. THERE IS SNOW EVERYWHERE. Snow and cold. The garden is desolate and voiceless. The flowers are gone. The trees are ghosts. The birds have departed. It is winter out there, and it is winter, too, in this heart of mine. Yet, in this Christmas season, I think of them, and it pleaseth me God forbid that I offend with much speaking. It pleaseth me to tell of the little things they did and loved. AND YOU SHALL UNDERSTAND IT ALL IF, PERCHANCE, THIS SACRED CHRISTMAS TIME A LITTLE MISTRESS MERCILESS OF YOUR OWN, OR A LITTLE MASTER SWEETHEART, CLINGETH TO YOUR KNEE, AND SANCTIFIETH YOUR HEARTHSTONE. WHEN OF AN EVENING ALL THE JOY OF DAY WAS DONE, WOULD OUR LITTLE MISTRESS MERCILESS FALL AWEARY, AND THEN HER eyelids WOULD GROW EXCEEDING HEAVY, AND HER LITTLE TIRED HANDS WERE FAIN TO FOLD. At such a time it was my wont to beguile her weariness With little tales of fairy, Or with the gentle play that sleepy children like. Much was her fancy taken with what I told her of the train That every night whirleth away to shut-eye town, Bearing unto that beauteous country Sleepy little girls and boys. Nor would she be content until I told her thereof. Yes, every night whilst I robed her in her cap and gown Would she demand of me, THAT TALE OF SHUT-EYE-TOWN, AND THE WONDERFUL TRAIN THAT WAS TO BEAR HER THITHER, THEN what I SAY IN THIS WISE, AT BEDTIME-VILLE there IS A TRAIN OF CARS THAT WAITETH FOR YOU, MY SWEET, FOR YOU AND FOR OTHER LITTLE ONES THAT WOULD GO TO QUIET, SLUMBROUS SHUT-EYE-TOWN. BUT MAKE NO HASTE, THERE IS ROOM FOR ALL. EACH HATH A TINY CAR THAT IS SNUG AND WARM, and when the train starteth each car swingeth soothingly this way and that way, this way and that way, through all the journey of the night. Your little gown is white and soft. Your little cap will hold those pretty curls so fast that they cannot get away. Here is a curl that peepeth out to see what is going to happen. Hush, little curl, make no noise. We will let you peep out at the wonderful sights. But you must not tell the others about it. Let them sleep, snuggled close together. The locomotive is ready to start. Can you not hear it? Shug-chug, shug-chug, shug-chug. That is what the locomotive is saying all to itself. It knoweth how pleasant a journey it is about to make. Shug-chug, shug-chug, shug-chug. Oh, many a time hath it proudly swept over prairie and hill, over river and plain, through sleeping gardens and drowsy cities, swiftly and quietly bearing the little ones to the far, pleasant valley where lieth shut I town Shug-chug, shug-chug, shug-chug. So saith the locomotive to itself at the station in Bedtimeville, for it knoweth how fair and far a journey is before it. Then a bell soundeth surely my little one heareth the bell Ding Long Ding along Ding Long So soundeth the bell, and it seemeth to invite you to sleep and dreams Ding long Ding along Ding Long How sweetly ringeth and calleth that bell To sleep to dreams, O little lambs it seemeth to call. NESTLE DOWN CLOSE, FOLD YOUR HANDS, AND SHUT YOUR DEAR EYES. WE ARE OFF AND AWAY TO SHUT-EYE-TOWN. TING-LONG, TING-ALONG, TING-LONG, TO SLEEP, TO DREAMS, O LITTLE cosset LAMBS. AND NOW THE CONDUCTOR CALLETH OUT IN TURN. ALL ABOARD, HE CALLETH. ALL ABOARD FOR SHUT-EYE-TOWN, HE CALLETH IN A KINDLY TONE. Hark ye, dear my soul, make thou no haste, there is room for all. Here is a cosy little car for you. How like your cradle it is, for it is snug and warm, and it rocketh this way and that way, this way and that way, all night long, and its pillows caress you tenderly. So step into the pretty nest, and in its speed to shut-eye town. Toot-toot! That is the whistle. It soundeth twice, but it must sound again before the train can start. Now you have nestled down, and your dear hands are folded. Let your two eyes be folded too, my sweet, for in a moment you shall be rocked away, and away, away into the golden mists of Balau. Ting long, ting along, ting long! All aboard! Toot, toot, toot! And so my little golden apple is off and away for shut town. Slowly moveth the train, yet faster by degrees. Your hands are folded, my beloved, and your dear eyes, they are closed. And yet you see the beauteous sights that skirt the journey through the mists of Balau. And it is rock away, rock away, rock away, that your speeding cradle goes. Rock away, rock away. Rock away, through the golden glories that lie in the path that leadeth to shut town. Toot! Toot! So crieth the whistle, and it is down-breaks, for here we are at Ginkville, and every little one knoweth that pleasant waking place where mother with her gentle hands holdeth the gracious cup to her sleepy darling's lips. Ting-long! Ting-along! ting long. And off is the train again, and swifter and swifter it speedeth. Oh, I am sure no other train speedeth half so swiftly. The sights, my dear, one sees, I cannot tell of them. One must see those beauteous sights to know how wonderful they are. Shug, chug, shug, chug, shug, chug. On and on and on the locomotive proudly whirleth the train. Ding long, ding along. Ting long! The bell calleth anon, but fainter and ever more fainter, and fainter and fainter groweth that other calling, toot, 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 till finally I know that in that shut eye town afar my dear one dreameth the dreams of Balau. This was the bedtime tale which I was wont to tell our little mistress Merciless, and at its end. I looked upon her face to see it calm and beautiful in sleep. Then was I wont to kneel beside her little bed and fold my two hands, thus, and let my heart call to the host invisible. O guardian angels of this little child, hold her in thy keeping from all the perils of darkness and the night. O sovereign shepherd, cherish thy little lamb in mine, and, holy mother, Fold her to thy bosom and thy love, But give her back to me, When morning cometh, Restore ye unto me my little one. But once she came not back, She had spoken much of Master Sweetheart, And of that land of ever play since, Whither he had gone. And she was not afeard to make the journey alone. So once upon a time, When our little mistress Merciless Bade us good-bye, And went away for ever, we knew that it were better so, for she was lonely here, and without her that far distant country whither she journeyed were not content. Though our hearts were like to break for love of her, we knew that it were better so. The tale is told, for it were not seemly to speak all the things that are in one's heart when one hath to say of a much-beloved child whose life here hath been shortened so that, in God's wisdom and kindness her life shall be longer In that garden that bloometh far away. About me are scattered the toys she loved, And the doll beautiful hath come down all battered and grim, Yet, oh, so very precious to me, from those distant years Yonder fareth the Queen of Sheba in her service As handmaiden unto me and mine, gaunt and doleful eyed, Yet stanch and sturdy as of old. The garden lieth under the Christmas snow, The garden where ghosts of trees wave their arms And moan over the graves of flowers. The once gracious arbor is crippled now With the infirmities of age. The siege of restfulness fast sinketh into decay, And long, oh, long ago did that bird joyous carol forth His last sweet song in the garden that was once so passing fair. And amid it all, this heartache and the loneliness which the years have brought, cometh my Christmas gift to-day, the solace of a vision of that country whither she, our little Mistress Merciless, hath gone, a glimpse of that far-off land of ever placence. End of Mistress Merciless